Trump is beating Biden by nine points in a Washington Post ABC News poll, and that is amazing. Oh boy, are they scared. The left, it, it, this actually means that our phony indictments have been identified as phony indictments by the general public. They're that smart? Yeah, we are that smart. 91 felonies to zero felonies. We saw right through it. These, these indictments, they're the real crime. So Democrats are in a panic. This did not work. They are, what are they going to do next? Joe, we're hearing, does not want to leave. Somehow he thinks he can beat Donald Trump. Uh, so it's our fault, according to Democrats. It's the American people's fault for not appreciating Joe Biden enough. Take a look at Jim Clyburn. This is a very important guy in all this. Congressman from South Carolina. Go. Our poll shows that President Biden is in a dead heat with former President Trump, who has been indicted four times. Why is that? Well, I think the American people are focused more on style than substance, and that is the way it is in politics. Uh, Joe Biden is uh, a man full of substance. He's full of something. It's not substance. Calling Joe Biden a man of substance. Uh, this is the opposite of substance. And you know what? So condescending to the American people. Style. We're, dazzled. We're, we're distracted by style. How about the border? Hmm? We haven't noticed that. How about prices out of control? How about losing a war in Afghanistan? These are real issues. This is not style. This is substance. And we see right through you and Joe Biden. But this guy, keep your eye on him, Jim Clyburn. I want to take you back to 2020. Uh, Joe Biden, what did he come in, like fourth place, fifth place, fourth place in Iowa, fourth place. He was a dead man walking politically. And then what happened to him in New Hampshire? One, two, three, fifth place, fifth place. But South Carolina happens and Joe suddenly on top. How did that happen? And everybody drops out like that. Everyone else is gone because Jim Clyburn gave the word. This is like straight out of the smoke-filled room days. Take a look. I know Joe. We know Joe. But most importantly, Joe knows us. So that man right there essentially picked the Democrat nominee. Everybody dropped out. Everybody won primary. Joe won one. Everybody else had to drop out. Why is that? That certainly isn't what they're always talking about, democracy. He believes uh, in democracy. He believes in the American dream. And he does what we, he possibly can to help people fulfill that dream and maintain this democracy. And that is not the kind of stuff uh, that you poll very well. <laughs> Whatever happened in 2020, Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, everybody drops out. That's that's not a democracy. What's happening right now, um, goings on behind the scenes, not democracy. And this guy is a veteran member of the swamp. And the situation with Hunter, it doesn't offend him. It actually makes him a little sensitive. Are you comfortable with a family member profiting off of their last name in this town? Well, you know, we all, to some extent, live so that our children uh, can be proud of the name that we've given them. I have three daughters, and I want them to feel very comfortable uh, being a Clyburn. And I do know uh, that that is very, very important uh, for going forward. 
Now, that doesn't mean that I want them to do things that are unseemly uh, to the name. I do want them uh, to use the name to their benefit. Wow. He mentioned three daughters. He wants them to use the name to their benefit. Well, I looked it up. And uh, they have in various ways. Jim Clyburn, been in the Congress for decades. Let's start with, uh, these are all nice people. But yeah, uh, this is all very, very swampy. Worked for the FCC, got a big job there. Hired by T-Mobile on Biden's transition team. Handing out jobs all over the place. Next, Jennifer, uh, let's see. Served as USC's director of center for blah, 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 blah. Appointed as federal co-chair of the Southeast Crescent Regional Commission by Biden. Ooh, in 2021. Uh, next, please. Angela Clyburn, political director of the Southeast Democrat Party. Okay, so they all have uh, pretty big roles in politics. Hey, I'm not saying that's unseemly. It is very swampy, though, right? It's swampy. That's what it is. Something else. Joe Biden has plummeted his support with African-Americans that Clyburn was alluding to back when he endorsed him. Um, it's gone down 17 points, 17 points since he became president. So what happens at a moment like this? Candace Owens told us way before Joe Biden became president exactly what they do and have done and I guess will do. Bottom line is that white supremacy, racism, nation, white nationalism, words that once held real meaning have now become nothing more than election strategies. Every four years, the black community is offered handouts and fear. Handouts and fear. Reparations and white nationalism. This is the Democrat preview. Absolutely. What did she say? Handouts and fear. Handouts and fear. So Joe Biden spoke at the Congressional Black Caucus on Saturday night. And yeah, on the menu, handouts and fear. Let's start with a handout. The commitment that I would increase the number of those contracts going to African-American small businesses by double to 10 percent. That will bring 15 percent. That will bring by 2025, 15 percent. That will mean an additional $100 billion going to black small businesses. $100 billion. Yeah? All right, you see how this works? Now, handouts and fear. Fear is next. Because far too often, it's still the case, you can get killed or attacked walking the streets of America just because you're black or because you're wearing a symbol of your faith. What is he talking about? This is not America. He doesn't know what people who are targeted for their race. There are two groups, quite frankly, um, Asian people, disproportionately so, and uh, white women. The whole Karen thing. Um, that's real. Joe, you're chasing phantoms again, but you're doing it. We know why you're doing it. Uh, next, please. Uh, this is a oh, time for another handout. Thanks to my Justice 40 initiative, 40 percent of all the benefits the flow from climate investments must flow directly to disadvantaged and underserved communities, like electrifying school buses so kids don't have to breathe polluted air and diesel buses. And this all this matters. I took the bus to school. The air was fine. What are they doing? Electric buses so kids. All right. So another handout. Let's wrap this up with some fear, Joe. Their veins bulging and chanting the same anti-Semitic bile. The racist bile we heard in Germany in the 30s. Neo-Nazis, the Ku Klux Klan, white supremacists. 
And in the process of this ugly demonstration, a young woman was murdered. And when the president at the time was asked what happened, he said, quote, there were very fine people on both sides. Very fine people on both sides. He really is reading right from this playbook that Candace always told. It's true. And you know what? They're always guilty of what they accuse others of doing. He's speaking of President Trump here, but it certainly applies to that man. In 2020, hate was still on the march in America. And the sitting president was breathing oxygen into that hate. Oxygen into that hate. That's what he does every day. The way he talks down, the way you can be attacked just for being black, just for being Jewish, just, I mean, that that is somehow systemic, widespread, accepted. Uh, it's not. Joe, you don't know this country. And I'll tell you what, talking down America, do you think our enemies are talking down their country? Does President Xi talk down his country? Does uh, Putin talk down Russia? No, they don't. You do. And you know what? Then again, who am I to uh, judge how Joe Biden does his politics? OK, he went from um, nobody, 29 years old, living in a, in a pretty regular house in 1971. He leaves the vice presidency of the United States with all this stuff in 2017. He must know what he's doing, right? It's worked for him. It has worked for him. Public service? No. I have a theory. So you heard about Menendez, Senator Menendez busted. Uh, let's see the alleged loot, the gold, the cash. Well, I want to emphasize or go over something in the indictment that hasn't received as much attention. Je Menendez trying to stop somebody from being prosecuted. Hmm? Let's go through it. Menendez agreed and sought to interfere in a New Jersey state criminal prosecution of an associate of the New Jersey defendant and a state criminal investigation, wanting to stop it. In or about December of 2020, Robert Menendez, the defendant, met with an individual who would later be nominated to be the U.S. attorney for the District of New Jersey. All right. In that meeting, Menendez criticized the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of New Jersey's prosecution of Fred Davies, the defendant, and said that he hoped that the candidate would look into Davies's case if the candidate became the U.S. Attorney. Problem here, according to the uh, prosecutors, Davies gave a lot of money in cash and gold, and uh, some of the envelopes contained the fingerprints and or DNA of Davies, two of the gold bars Davies provided as well. Trying to influence a prosecutor, it rings a bell, doesn't it? Hmm? Burisma, Hunter, Shokin, and Joe's conversation with Poroshenko, anybody? Yesterday, I met me with the general prosecutor, Shokin. Yes. And despite of the fact that we didn't have any corruption charges, we don't have any information about the, he doing something wrong. I especially asked him, no, it was the day before yesterday. I especially asked him to resign. Great. And this is my second step for keeping my promises. I agree. 
you know what? This could be a, a warning shot across the bow. If they can do this to Menendez, I think they have more than enough evidence. We've all been through it to do the same thing to Joe Biden, and maybe they will. You know, Joe and these career politicians, they convince themselves, maybe, just maybe, that they're entitled to a little extra or a lot extra because they, well, did so many people so many favors over the years. They hang out with rich people. You know, what about some for them? Um, Menendez, actually, today, maintaining his innocence, but did brag a lot about all the stuff he did. Today, I'm surrounded by everyday people and constituents who know me. They are here because I fought for important health care policies like the Affordable Care Act, access to reproductive health care, funding for community health centers, and lowering the cost of prescription drugs. They are here because I have fought for working people, those who work five to nine, to support those working from nine to five. I've always advocated for the right of workers to organize for better wages and working conditions and have been a staunch supporter of delivering critical services like affordable child care to better support working families. All right, so he's the greatest guy in the world. He's always supporting people. Wouldn't answer any questions about the gold bars and how he got them, but yeah, it reminded me of the movie from the late 80s. Did anybody ever see the movie Say Anything with John Cusack? Remember, he's that kickboxer and falls in love with the really smart girl and the father objects. Well, maybe you remember the backstory about the father who's being investigated by the FBI. Um, allegedly, he was stealing money from the nursing home, the people in the nursing home that he owned. And his daughter confronts him about it. Watch this. Dad, did you do it? Did you take that money? Sweetheart, no, don't be ridiculous. I swear to God, I need to know the truth. Honey. I swear to God. I swear to God. I found the money. You stole from them. You lied to me. How do you think that's supposed to make me feel? You think you know what this money is? Yes, I... No, you don't know what it is. It's not for me. This money's for you for when you come back from England with honors to set you up so you don't have to depend on anybody again. I, I take better care of those people and their families do. I care for them. I give them flowers. I feed them. I wipe their mouths. No, but you stole from them. I make their lives better. You get it? You see what I mean? Make their lives better. I don't know for sure. But I have a strong sense that a lot of these career politicians, they think they're owed stuff because in their mind, they've made their people's lives better. Let's look at all of Joe's stuff. You think he got this just by saving and investing wisely, right? Or do we think he felt maybe entitled to it? Because you listen to Joe, he's always going around talking about all the things he's done for everybody. And maybe the same goes for Menendez, this gold, this cash. Could be, could be, what do you think? Anyway, thank you to John Cusack and uh, Cameron Crowe for making that wonderful movie and the Peter Gabriel song, and Lloyd Dobler, who got the girl in the end. We'll be back with more on that conspirator, General Mark Milley. Be right back. General Mark Milley has five days left on the job as chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Then he retires. He's lucky he's getting out of the military without being court-martialed because he deserves it. He violated his oath of office, most certainly betrayed the presidency, 
and worked to undermine it may even have led a soft military coup. Now, I brought the viewers through something on Friday night. There's a chance that you missed it on Friday night, and I'd like to address it all again. Uh, now that he's leaving, the fake news is they're making nice on him because he was leaking basically every day he was the chairman uh, to the fake news. So The Atlantic did this great big puff piece. Oh, what a hero he is. He's the patriot. He is the man who saved the Constitution from Donald Trump. It, it, it's not his job to be doing anything that he actually did. And I'm going to go through it in a second. But first, we're going to talk about Captain Avila. Now, he comes up in the article, and we're going to be reading about him right now, okay? This is all to make Trump look bad, but actually the opposite happens. Take a look at the piece. Uh, this was when Milley became the chairman at a ceremony. At his welcome ceremony at Joint Base Meyer Henderson Hall, Milley gained an early and disturbing insight into Trump's attitude towards soldiers. Milley had chosen a severely wounded Army Captain Louis Avila to sing God Bless America. Story goes on Avila, who had completed five combat tours, had lost a leg in an IED attack in Afghanistan and had suffered two heart attacks, two strokes, and brain damage as a result of his injuries. After Avila's performance, Trump walked over to congratulate him, but then said to Milley, within earshot of several witnesses, why do you bring people like that here? No one wants to see that. The wounded. Hmm. Never let Avila appear in public again, Trump told Milley. Recently, Milley invited Avila to sing at his retirement ceremony. So the article comes out and the fake news goes bananas with this. Trump walked over to congratulate him, but then he said to Milley, with an earshot of several witnesses, why do you bring people like that here? No one wants to see that, the wounded. Does this story give us insight into Donald Trump's obsession with not being a loser? He just sees everything and everybody that is not the way he wants them to be as a loser. Never let Avila appear in public again, Trump told Milley. And that was day one on the job for Milley. So something about this story just didn't add up in my mind, right? It just, um, there has to be something more to the story. And I got a few phone calls, one from Sally Ogden, wife of the great Arnold Fisher. She was at the event and she told us what she saw this past Friday. It was totally different than it's been represented, completely different. And I was shocked. I was not aware of, uh, what he'd said about President Trump. Clearly, clearly not true. Okay, and there was more? Greg, he did hug him. He kissed him. And for me, that was an amazing experience to watch. Um, he, soaking wet, as I said, marched out there all by himself. Captain Avila was quite further back from the dais. And he embraced him. He congratulated him, he hugged him, and his wife, um, Claudia, was there as well. And he had a long conversation with the Avilas, maybe really long, I mean, possibly as long as 10 minutes. He just spent with them, focusing on them. It was so incredibly compassionate. 
And there's more. And anybody can find this, but no one in the fake news does because it's just so easy to go with someone else's version of events, like some reporter who has an agenda to get Trump. Well, looking at the event itself, which is still online, we actually watched Captain Avila's performance. Here's what happened. Captain Luis Avila, a U.S. soldier severely wounded by an IED explosion December 2011 in Afghanistan, uses music therapy as a critical component to his healing. Captain Avila will now join the Joint Service Quartet in singing God Bless America. America, land that I love, there beside her, and I have to the life with the life of a bull for the month. And he continues, and the song goes on, and right after it's done, this happens. Have you ever seen President Trump be so physically affectionate in public ever? That was more than a hug. That was a huddle. That was a sustained, it was beautiful. And obviously he was deeply moved. All these articles just said, he briefly congratulated the captain and then badmouthed him behind the scenes. Uh, I don't believe that. I do believe that perhaps there was a conversation about that is tough to perhaps listen to, right? Is that the best person to sing that song. Good people can have that conversation. Did they possibly resent Donald Trump's connection to this person? Were they jealous of it? I wouldn't put it past them. I wouldn't. And for General Milley to tell that dark, sick, untrue story on his way out, this man, I do regret that he's not getting court-martialed or somehow sanctioned or busted in rank because that's exactly what he deserves. Look, what was he saying to his peers in the summer of 2020, this is a problem and it must be investigated. Back to the article. In 2020, during the summer, he told another general, uh, Corelli, General Corelli, he visited him in Washington State and over breakfast described what he thought was coming next. It was unbelievable. This is August 2nd. And he laid out in specific detail what his concerns were between August and Inauguration Day. Next. He identified one of his biggest concerns as January 6th, the day the Senate was to meet to certify the election. It was almost like a crystal ball. His job as chief military advisor to the president. What is he doing thinking about January 6th? I didn't know anything about January 6th until well after Election Day. General Milley is thinking about this stuff. And what was he telling fake news reporters? He was talking to them before the election. 
In a call on the Saturday before Election Day, Milley told news anchors, including George Stephanopoulos, Lester Holt, and Nora O'Donnell, that the military's role was to protect democracy, not to undermine it. The context was, we know how fraught things are, and we have a sense of what might happen, and we're not going to let Trump do it, Stephanopoulos told the writer of the story. What a strange thing for the chief military advisor to tell the media before the election. The conspirator. Absolutely. And there's much more. We'll get back to uh, him throughout the week, his final week as chairman of the Joint Chiefs. And once again, one of the most beautiful moments uh, I think I've ever seen. President Trump with that family of heroes. President Trump is leading in the polls, but only one network is covering President Trump's events live. That's Newsmax. Millions have made the switch to Newsmax because it's the real news they can trust. President Trump says he loves Newsmax. Every night you can start watching with Rob Schmidt at 7 p.m. Eastern. Rob Schmidt is exposing the Biden impeachment truth. All this week, Rob looks at the Biden money trail and the tens of millions that went to his family. Newsmax is on all major cable systems. If your cable operator doesn't carry Newsmax, call them and demand it. And don't forget to download the Newsmax app on your iPhone or Android. It's absolutely free, and you can start watching at any time. Get the Newsmax app now. Get Newsmax at home and make the switch. You won't look back. So President Trump had a big rally in South Carolina today. We carried it live and Fox was carrying it live and everything was going fine until it got uncomfortable for Fox. Watch. You know, they're wasting a lot of time on these ridiculous debates that nobody's watching. Their last debate was the lowest rated debate in history. That's a good compliment, isn't it? And what was I doing, Marjorie? I was someplace else, wasn't I? Huh? I was doing another interview. We had 271 million people listening to the Tucker Carlson interview. That's an all-time record. So here we are, uh, back in the thick of campaign season. We are now just four months away from the Iowa primaries. All right. Yeah, Tucker Carlson used to work there and remains hugely popular. And a lot of people stopped watching Fox News as a result, and uh, they had to get out of there fast. Anyway, kind of amusing, right? What else happened today? Oh, uh, Wales came up. And actually, I think he made a lot of good points. Take a look. In just one example of Crooked Joe's extreme regulatory attacks, the Biden administration is right now trying to bludgeon the boating and maritime industry. We were just discussing it with a lot of boat companies back there that create a lot of jobs and having a hard time. With a boat speed limit of less than 11 miles an hour, the Biden speed limit will demolish the charter fishing business, crush boat manufacturers, and desecrate your 
cherished low country traditions. It's going to desecrate those traditions. That's why today I'm announcing that when I'm reelected on day one, I will cancel Biden's ridiculous speed limit regulation. Day one. Day one. First day. We will take care of the whales, but we will also take care of the workers, the boaters, the fishermen of South Carolina. We'll take good care of them, all of them, including the whale. Including the whale. Apparently only one whale has been hit by a boat and died in 50 years. But they have all these new regulations. All right. You heard about the poll. Uh, we talked about it earlier. He's beating Tr Biden by nine points, right? And uh, here he is uh, talking about that. He liked it, of course. We're leading by uh, a lot, according to the Washington Post, ABC, against uh, probably the worst president, definitely the worst president, I'd say, in the history of our country. He's destroying our country, so we have to change it. See you later. Thanks. He's not president, but he's more active, more on top of the national scene, the national pulse than the current acting president. Yeah, Biden actually seems like an acting president, not a real president. We'll be right back. You know, everybody's reporting the same stories, the same spin. You turn the channel, it's always the same. But not us. We're different. We report the real news. No spin, just the facts. Turn to us and you won't turn back. Tune in to Rob Schmidt tonight on Newsmax. Hey, Gavin Newsom. Oh, boy. Uh, we don't like him. <laughs> Hard to believe that some people think this guy uh, presidential timber. It could happen. There's a real chance that he may replace Biden and this guy would be the nominee. Uh, we'll see. I don't know what he has to offer. He's a, a crummy governor. And, well, maybe our next guest is the solution. Take a look at this guy. The current administration is locking our farmers out of water. We need to unlock our water resources and let California grow. Our education system is in shambles. California ranks 49th in the nation. While CRT and pornographic sex education are being taught in schools like this one, we still have to remind teachers that parents are in control of what happens to their children. California's high business taxes are a burden on small businesses. How's business, Mr. Casillas? So-so. Well, they're about to get a lot better. All right, that's Leo Zaki, who joins us right now. He is a declared gubernatorial candidate in California. I believe you are running as a Republican. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Leo, welcome to Newsmax. The campaign is off and running? It certainly is, and thanks for having me on, Greg. And I certainly am running as a Republican. All right. Now, we kind of know the answer already, but hit us. What's wrong with Gavin Newsom? Well, he's a career politician, for starters, and he has a track record of just decimating everywhere he's been. He started out in San Francisco, ran that city into the ground, then became lieutenant governor, and now is governor, and he's running the state even further into the ground. The state is in full decay and disarray, and the cost of living has just gone through the roof. He has done nothing but destroy this state and divide people further. Yeah. Hey, but you know what? He's got a great head of hair and he's slim. No, it's it's amazing. It's all like the superficial stuff that makes this guy somehow appealing to Democrats, I think, nationally. Uh, anyway, enough I about would, him. I agree on that for sure. He, he's definitely got that slick used car salesman look. <laughs> all right. So listen, who are you, Leo? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, uh, I'm Leo Zaki, and my family had the largest poultry company here on the West Coast at one point. We were vertically integrated in California, and uh, we got ran out of business due to just over-regulation 
and just poor legislative decision-making here in California. The things that made us successful back when we had Republican and normal common-sense government at play just went away over the last few decades, and it made California an uninhabitable place for business. And unfortunately, we had to close our doors. Okay, so that's, uh, that's unsettling. What'd you do after that? So after that, um, well, we went through the bankruptcy and the closing process of our business. So I decided to do something about it, and I decided to run for governor. And uh, I haven't looked back, and I haven't stopped running. So the election is in uh, 2026, is that right? Yeah. Assuming 26. that Gavin Newsom doesn't run for president or isn't selected as uh, whatever, right? Correct. Correct. Okay. Uh, but we've got a long road ahead of us, but that's what I've learned is you have to get out in front of everything right now. Uh, you know, the fate of the country is on the line right now, and it all starts in California. I know a lot of people write off California, and it's kind of it's disheartening to hear that. But there is hope, and this truly is the battleground state, because if we can turn California around, we can save this nation, because what happens in California winds up affecting the rest of the nation. All right. How old are you? I'm 32, and when my election comes around, I'll be 35. Where'd you go to college? Not that it matters. I'm just kind of curious. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, I went to the University of Arizona down in Tucson, um, and I met a, a lot of great people, got a good education, and uh, I got an even better education working inside my family business. I worked my way from the ground up, uh, becoming vice president. I was the uh, I was on the board of the California Poultry Federation, so we lobbied on behalf of the industry. I did that for a decade. So we'd go to, Cal uh, we'd go to Sacramento and D.C. and meet with the USDA, FDA, uh, state reps, senators, uh, so I've met a lot of these people, and I realized quickly how terrible they all were and how incompetent they are, and that was very disheartening. And that was one of the big motivators for me as well. Uh, and after we lost our business, I had nothing holding me back that would impact us uh, financially because uh, we'd lost the business. So I said I needed to do something for my country. I didn't serve in the military, but my grandparents did, and I, I believe in serving this nation and serving in any capacity that you can. And I want to help this nation, and I love California. It's my home. Uh, let me ask you, that. where in California are you, by the way? I live in Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Um, forgive me for asking. We're going to find out anyway if you really, you know, you're going to file that paperwork. Are you rich? I mean, <laughs> I, I, I would love to run, uh, you know, for an office maybe, but I mean, are, are you rich? You can, you're well, doing this for a couple of years. I mean, cons considering we uh, had the largest privately owned uh, business in the state of California, I'll, I'll let you determine that one. <laughs> All right, so you're doing very well, and you can uh, your financing oh, well. money is not an issue, right? Well, I mean, we always want to raise money. I, I'm not going to do everything on my own. I mean, this race is going to take, I estimate, about $100 million, and I definitely will be contributing a good portion of that to make this a reality. All right, people can go to leozaki.com. Uh, where was this filmed, uh, this, this footage? Uh, this was in the Salinas Valley. Uh, I actually went up uh, and did a lot of this in that area. There's a lot of agriculture there. That's where 90% of the world's artichokes come from. Huh. And uh, there's a lot of history in ag up there. All right. Yeah. What was that book I read a long time ago? To Kill a Mocking uh, grape, Grapes of Wrath. Oh, Grapes of Wrath. Yeah. And uh, what's the other one? What's the other one? Oh, oh Mice John and Steinbeck Men. stuff. He's all from, he's from there. Yeah. Oh, all right. So it's all coming back to me. Leo <laughs> Zaki. This is, uh, this is pretty wild. You know, anything can happen in politics. LeoZaki.com. Go check it out, and uh, good luck. Keep in touch, okay? Absolutely. I really appreciate it, Greg. Thanks for having me on. Oh, and by the way, check out the DeSantis-Newsom uh, debate. It's going to be happening yeah. in uh, November, it looks like. That should be uh, – hmm, they're doing that. That should be interesting. Hairspray versus hair gel. Okay. Take care, <laughs> and we'll be right back.
So all this woke stuff, um, teaching about white privilege, the insanity that so many curriculums uh, forcing down students' throats, parents' throats, it's not only happening here in America, it's happening globally and especially in the UK. <laughs> uh, it is a radically different school system than just a short time ago. We're joined by Alka Segal Cuthbert from England. She's the director of a group called Don't Divide Us. And my understanding is she's not a big fan of the teaching of white privilege. She had a few things to say about it and she was disinvited from a very prominent um, uh, event. Uh, education event in England. Uh, Alka, welcome to Newsmax. How are you? Thank you very much. I'm very well, thank you. Thank you well, for inviting me. You bet. Wonderful. Uh, listen, just broadly, if you could, uh, over here in America, you probably know we are, gosh, everything seems to be upside down and people are apologizing for their race and all anybody talks about is race and they want first graders talking about race. What's it like in your neck of the woods? Well, um, so far, Britain isn't as um, far gone down the road, um, and historically, Britain's experiences have been very different. But our, res our research that we have done um, and the stories that we're hearing from parents and teachers are indicating very, very worrying signs that this kind of um, critical race theory ideology is coming into schools really by the back door. There's very little scrutiny over it. Nobody's really monitoring the rise of these third-party organizations and companies who are being invited, not just to teach about certain theories, but to actually sort of, um, like in an impartial way, where, where other views are presented. But they're being taught as if they were facts and as if they were like the basis for ethical action, you know, the, the way people should behave with each other. Mm. So they're re-racializing a culture which in Britain has been, you know, has managed to make very good progress and getting to the point where race was becoming a negligible factor in, you know, in most people's, not everybody's, but in most people's life chances. So right. it's a very backward step. Wow, re-racializing. I've never heard it put that way, that, but that, uh, that's what's happening, re-racializing. So uh, uh, there's this conference called Rethinking Education, and I believe it's uh, you know, rather popular, well-attended. It was held in North London, and you were all set to uh, participate in a panel. But at the last moment, they said you couldn't come. And are we right here in that several other panelists said that your presence would make them feel unsafe? Um, well, I must make clear, none of the panellists on the session I was due to speak at, which ironically is called what is indoctrination and what can schools do to avoid it, um, it wasn't those panellists. They've all been very supportive. And in fact, the session was pulled by the chair after I had been disinvited. It was other speakers and other delegates who have remained anonymous who um, 48 hours before the conference was due to, to take place, contacted the organiser to say that they would feel unsafe in the presence of somebody from Don't Divide Us. So, number one, that unsafe word, <laughs> the moment somebody invokes that, it's like, whoa, watch out. You know, that that is a very powerful thing to say. Obviously, it's being abused. Um, wow. So... What is it about Don't Divide Us that they took issue with? And what are your thoughts about unsafe? I mean, 
give me a break. You don't look like a dangerous person. Forgive me for making assumptions here. Well, but. yeah, I think maybe my children might disagree sometimes. <laughs> but, um, but uh, no, um, you know, I've never met these people. They haven't met me. They, I assume they have not read any of my academic work. Um, that, that was not mentioned. It was specifically Don't Divide Us. Now, the core tenets of our campaign group um, are, are antithetical to critical race theory. So our position is we support the moral equality of all people, irrespective of social, economic and ethnic differences. Um, we support, we do not believe that Britain is structurally racist and we don't think that it is either truthful or helpful to try and cut to impose a framework of um, white oppression white oppression, black victimhood, on the way we understand ourselves. We think that will lead to social division um, and it actually obscures looking at real problems that do exist in society and it cre just creates a whole new set of, you know, a quagmire of, you know, um, problems that are fundamentally divisive. So those are, the co those are our core tenets, which, as it happens, are majority views, like right? poll after poll in Britain shows that is what the majority of people believe. So when they disinvite me, they're not just, um, you know, personally insulting me and my academic credentials. They're not just denying my free speech or the freedom of other people to hear that, hear me speak. They are also delegitimizing, uh, you know, what most people believe. And I think that is, from a democratic point of view, is very, very dangerous, you know, because... It, it, it means people become scared to voice their spontaneous thinking. And, you know, the idea of what it is to be a good citizen changes from being someone who's autonomous and able to speak freely to somebody who relies upon expert theories to tell them what they should think and to comply with that. Right. So it's very authoritarian in our view. Very much indeed. Folks can go to don'tdivideus.com, don'tdivideus.com for more information. Dr. Alka Segal Cuthbert, um, never could imagine that we're, this is all happening. It's very, very strange. But we're thankful to you and you're, you're, you're a courageous person. And this group that you're directing sounds awesome. Don'tdivideus.com. Thank you very much. Thank you. We'll be right back. You're on the go and need news now. No paywalls, no cable subscriptions. Just download the Newsmax app from your smartphone store. It's free. And watch Newsmax TV anytime, anywhere. Thank you very much. Hey, the Chris Plant Show, The Squad with Chris Plant is next. Great show. And I'll be back here tomorrow. All the best.